Would you consider yourself to be blessed? Would you? You know, I see that word all the time. I saw it on a coffee cup the other day. It said, uh, bless mama. And then I saw it on a license plate. Uh, I don't know where I'm just seeing it more often or if it's there more often, but it said blessed on my sister's license plate. Pretty amazing. You know, I think today it's pretty, uh, it's in style to feel blessed. And you see it everywhere, social media, everywhere people are feeling blessed. And they say things like this, actually saying blessed, I think, is a way to boast while you're sounding humble, all right? You got to try to find a way to do that. But we say things like, we say things like this, you know, uh, uh, new house, hashtag blessed. College scholarship, hashtag blessed. Raise, hashtag blessed. Wonderful family, hashtag very blessed. You know, we see all these things about being blessed in our life, and, and most of us would say that, yes, we are blessed. Most of all Christians, I think we feel blessed, right? I mean, after all, we ask God to bless our families. We ask Him to bless our food, to, ask, to bless our church, our business, our efforts, basically everything. God just bless everything in my life. I want your blessing on it all. And in fact, today it seems to me like that the blessed life is synonymous with the successful life. The good life, loving marriage, obedient, healthy children, healthy body, successful career, good friends, financial success, blessed. But have you ever wondered if our idea of a blessed life is different than God's idea? Have you ever wondered about that? Now, I raise that question because of a particular troubling passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, and here's what Jesus says about that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. That doesn't sound anything at all like what I want to be blessed like, does it? Do you think those come together? We kind of see some difference there. I mean, poor, mourning, hunger, thirsting, insulted, persecuted, attacked. No hint of material prosperity. No hint there, perfect circumstances. In fact, quite the opposite. He's talking about suffering. It sounds like hardships and dying to ourselves and dying to earthly desires. All the things that we think would describe that we are blessed or in turn, what Jesus said, that's the opposite of it. So what in the world does blessed mean? I remember a few years ago, there was a version of the Bible, I can't remember which one, uh, kind of a paraphrase probably, that inserted the word happy in Matthew 5. I don't know if you remember that or not, but happy are those, happy are that didn't like make, that didn't ring very clear to me at that point. I'm not sure that happy is the right word to put there, but the Greek word for blessed means to be made holy, consecrated, endowed with divine favor and protection to be fully satisfied. And I think what Jesus is saying is that when you are in Him, even though you endure these hardships and these things that we would not call blessings, we can count ourselves to be blessed because we are being made holy. We are fully satisfied with Christ. Now today, the problem is we are so spoiled that we haven't, we're not even satisfied with what we have. We want more. We want to be blessed more. And what would it be like for us if we were to actually have to endure some of these things that Jesus talked about would bring us blessings? What if we had to deal with true poverty, 
hunger, thirst, persecution for being a Christian. Would we feel blessed at that point? Or does our feeling blessed depend on the material things that we have? You know, I think what Jesus is saying is that being truly blessed is really on a whole different level than what we think about it. But if we go back and we take that original definition, the first definition of being blessed as being made holy, then we are truly blessed. If you are a child of God, you truly are blessed. The truest form of blessing is to be made aware of our sin, to be repentant of our sin, to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus, and in the process of being made holy, to have eternal life promised to us whenever we die. That is truly blessed, truly being blessed. And that's what we have as a Christian. That's what Jesus can offer. So you know what? Those of us who are here today, and we are believers, and we have that promise, and then we have everything else, we would say, wow, we are actually, we are beyond blessed. We are beyond blessed. We have all the above, plus we live in a prosperous nation that is amazingly blessing to us. But you know, the sad thing is that can actually become a deterrent to our spiritual lives. Because our over-the-top blessings can actually distract us and blind us to our need for a Savior. And it's also given us an incredibly low tolerance for pain and inconvenience. We don't think we're blessed when bad times or difficult times come. And we call these today, I love this term, first world problems. First world problems are what make us feel not blessed today. Let me throw some out. Like, you know what? I can't get on the Wi-Fi today. Can't believe that, you know? You know, I was reading last night. I had to quit because my book ran out of battery. Just hate it when that happens. You know what? I need a vacation from my vacation. My expensive ripped jeans keep ripping. So now I have to go buy some more expensive ripped jeans. I just can't believe that. Those are first world problems and, and many, many more. Listen to yourself sometime and think about your problems. Problems the rest of the world could not even imagine having, some of which they would love to have. They would love to have the problems that we complain about today. Do you remember several years ago the Occupy Wall Street protesters who said they were representing the 99% against the 1%? Do you remember that? And they were protesting. They obviously didn't have jobs because they protested full-time and they vandalized everything and tore everything up, but they were representing the 99%. Well, let me tell you what. They and all of us here today are the 1%. We are the 1% of the world. You might not feel like it when you compare yourself to a billionaire or something, but every one of us are the 1%. Over a billion people in the world live on less than $1 a day. $1 a day. The median global income is $2,100 a year. Today, if you live in central Kentucky, and I haven't checked it exactly, but if you make $45,000, you are not in the top 1%. You are in the top 0.41% of the people in the world. Are you feeling blessed? Are you feeling rich? You ought to because we are. We are blessed. In fact, we are beyond blessed. There's no doubt about it. But you know what? I think that being blessed like we are demands something in fact, a lot from ourselves. Here's what Jesus said. For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. Isn't that a great scripture? From whom everyone much is given from him, much will be required. Now, how can we be so blessed today and not do something about it? How can we do that? How can we look ourselves in the mirror that we're blessed with, a nice mirror, and, and see our reflection and feel like, you know what? I don't 
I don't have to do anything in return for this. I think an awareness of how blessed we are should naturally move us to want to give back somehow. And you know what? That's how we, where we have to check our hearts and our motives when it comes to giving. Because a lot of us give, honestly, even as Christians, we give in this way. We give because we want to get back somehow. We, want it, we give because we want to get back. In fact, it's kind of like we, we give a gift only because we expect something in return. Do you give to get? In the back of your mind, when you give, you're hoping to get something back. Or do you literally give because you have received, because you've gotten? Do you get to give it away in turn? I think if we truly see ourselves as blessed as we should, spiritually as well as financially, then we have to give. We have to do that. See, I believe that God's entrusted a lot to us. I want you to think just on the spiritual level. Let's not go any further for a second. Spiritual blessings that we have. What do we have that many people in the world do not have? We have the gospel. We have the, the good news of Jesus who is everything to us. We have spiritual gifts and power. Remember last week we were talking about the spiritual gifts and power that God would give to us. Remember that? We have the promise of heaven whenever we die. We don't have to fear death. We have so much more. We have a church family that many people around the world don't even know exists. And we have all these spiritual blessings that we have today. And God wants us to turn, not only treasure that, those gifts, but also give them away to others. Because the more that we give, actually the more that we receive literally, spiritually, the more that we give our faith away, the stronger our faith gets. It's crazy, I know, but that's how it works. And I believe that one day we're going to be held accountable for how we have managed and shared our spiritual wealth. Have we shared our spiritual wealth or have we hoarded our spiritual debt? You know, we can do that. It's all, it's all about us. It really isn't, but we can live that way. And in the same way, I think we're going to be held accountable for how we've managed our financial wealth as well. And you know what? The amazing thing is that the Bible is the best book in the world on managing our blessings that's ever been written. And to understand that, we have to kind of get some basic principles, acknowledge something about God, that God owns everything and God is a, the giver of all things, that God distributes things to people uh, as the owner, and, and we don't understand why he does that or, or who he does that to. Why has God made us the most prosperous nation on earth? I have no idea. Why are you and I living in this time? And not in a time back in the pioneer days when they had to rough it. And when we think, you know, that, uh, that a cold day is rough, but we can go inside where it's warm. But people didn't, have, didn't live like that at one point. Why do we get to live in this time? Why, do, why are we so blessed with all the things that we turn around and complain about? Isn't that crazy? But God's put us here in this place, in this time, and we need to value that because we're blessed. Now, because of that, there are a couple of principles that I think are important to understand what we do with these blessings. They are generosity and stewardship. And they may sound a little bit alike, but, but, and, and they, are, they have some things in common, but they're kind of different there, that we have to have both of them, just like it takes two legs to walk. You can't, don't walk so well on one leg. Uh, it takes two to walk to get somewhere. These two things work together. For example, if a person is generous and not a good steward, they will not be blessed with more. If you're generous and not a good steward, you, you probably won't receive more. You know, I, I help out an elderly gentleman who has been taken advantage of, but at his heart, he is a very generous man. He's a very generous man. In fact, he's also, uh, uh, he wants to give, but he's not, he's a horrible manager because he's allowed people to basically rob him blind 
and he personally has suffered and done without as a result. Because he is generous, but he's not a good manager, it's not likely that he's going to be blessed with anything more. But on the other hand, if a person's a good steward, a manager, and they're not generous, we call that person tight. It's not a compliment to be called tight, right? That person won't be blessed either. You know, I know of people who are afraid to give anything away because they feel like if they do, they won't have enough for themselves. But unfortunately, what happens is they always seem to have a struggle in their life with money or with a job or something. That person isn't likely to be blessed either because they might be a great manager, but they're not generous. And that, those are basic principles that work together. But when people are both generous and are a good manager, then they put themselves in a place where God wants to bless them more and more. Why? Because remember, God is a giver. And God wants to, even though he owns everything, he's willing to give it all away. God has all the resources that people will ever need, physical resources and spiritual resources. I mean, like physical. He has all the food, all the water, all the housing, all the orphan care, the senior care, the health care, everything that people in the world need, God already has it. God has that. But he also has the spiritual things we need, like the gospel. He has churches that that could be built, and leaders that could be equipped, and people that could be taught, the things that our missionaries do, the things that the people at Christian Stewardship Fellowship do uh, with college students. He has all of that. He has all those resources, and there's a problem. There's a disconnect, though, because there's God and there's resources, and, and what is between that, those two things? Us. That's where we are. That's where we are. You know what? God could drop he could drop the gospel from heaven, in, from an air, not an airplane, just from heaven, in an airplane. He could just drop the gospel to some people over there who never heard about him. Or God could drop food to them or money. He could do that. But he doesn't do that, does he? Have you ever noticed that, that God uses people to meet the needs of others? There's God on one side, people on the other in need, and you and I get to stand in between. And we are blessed to do that. God channels and directs resources through us. They come to us as blessings, and then they flow through us out to others. I want you to think about that because many of us don't think about it in that way. And I'm going to clarify that principle more here in just a few minutes. But understand that God is looking for people to be rivers of His blessing. You know, a river, water flows in, then what happens? It flows back out, doesn't it? He doesn't want us to be a reservoir where blessings are stored up and hoarded. And you've probably driven by a farm pond somewhere that just collects water, that's just in a, on top of a hill, collects water. What you see is that that pond gets stagnant and sick. It looks nasty. It looks horrible green, especially in the summer. Whereas one that's fed by a spring and water runs into it on one end and out on the other always stays fresh and alive. And that's what God wants us to be. God wants us to be a channel, a river where blessings flow into us and blessings flow out, and God is looking for people who are faithful and who are willing to be that person. And then He wants to bless them more who are generous and good managers as well. You know, one of the problems of, of dangers of being blessed is that we start to think that we personally earn that or that we deserve that, that we're better than other people who don't have it. And because of that, we should keep it. And that really is arrogant when you think about it. We're really arrogant to think that we're better than everybody else in the world. We're no better, nor do we deserve what we have any more than the poorest person in the poorest third world country. But the Bible does teach us that when God gives, He expects us to give it back. 
and especially from Christians. I mean, there are people who are not believers, who are philanthropists, they are generous, they give, but they don't give to the glory of God, and they're not being used by God in that, and sometimes the way they give is, is not that great, right? And my, nobody likes to talk about it, honestly, about money, but to be honest with you, the Bible does a lot, and God really cares about how we use the resources that He's given us. He always has. In fact, since the very beginning of time, if you think about it, God has always asked us to give something back. In the Bible, when people came to worship God, they brought an offering. I mean, the idea of coming to worship without giving was unheard of. Nobody did that. Sacrifices were started in, Adam, in Adam's day, the very first man. God established early in history the practice of tithing. He wants us to give him 10% of our income to acknowledge that he's owner of it all, and then to accomplish the work that he wants done. In the Old Testament, God called people who didn't give, he called them thieves. He was pretty blatant about, about it, wasn't it? And then when Jesus came along, he talked about money too. He watched people give. Remember, he talked about the widow who gave her coins and dropped it in. When people came into worship, they came and they brought, a sac- they brought an offering. 16 of 38 parables that Jesus gave were about money or possessions and how we view them. He's not out to get our money. He's out to get our heart. But our money seems to be tied to that. Listen to what he says in Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And isn't that true, the connection between heart and treasure? Isn't that true? You know, money has a great power over us. It really does. It's amazing what money can make us do. People will do crazy things for money. I was reminded, I thought about that show. Remember Fear Factor? You remember that show where people would like eat snails and let spiders crawl on them and hang from a helicopter? All the things that were terrifying to try to earn $50,000. I mean, they would do that. And people did it regularly and we were entertained by it. We thought it was great, right? People will do crazy things for money. People will go to extreme, they will risk their lives, they will steal for money and risk their freedom. But also, we'll do things, we'll work ourselves to death and we'll not get enough rest and, and we'll give, you know, sometimes sacrifice our family for money. We do crazy things for money. Isn't it amazing the pull that something like money has on our lives? And because of that, because there's such a pull, giving any of that away uh, creates this internal tension, a battle inside of us. A part of us knows we should, you know, it's natural to think about, but the human side of us resists that. And Jesus understands that. He understands it well. In fact, in Luke 18, he tells a story about a man, a ruler questioned him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he had heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Now, what I think is interesting is that Jesus didn't tell everybody who came and talked to him to sell everything they had. It was this guy's problem. Money was too important to him. In the same way, I don't think he tells us that we have to be destitute, but he does have to say that money has to find its balance in our life. We have to find uh, the right balance for that. The guy in the store, he was blessed. 
And in fact, he was beyond blessed. You know, in Jesus' day, poverty was a whole different level than, than it is today. You know, my favorite thing to say is that today, poverty means you cannot afford a, a monthly plan on your, on your smartphone. That's, that's poverty today. In that day, poverty meant you didn't have any clothes. You didn't have a, a home. You didn't have any food. You had to beg every dime you got from somebody else. That's what it was like, and lots of people had to do that. This ruler was the guy who benevolently came along and dropped coins in their uh, can if he had a little money left over. He was rich. He was wealthy, and those money and possessions meant more to him than Jesus did, and then eternal life did. He wanted eternal life, but he wasn't willing to pay or to give up the thing that came between him, him and God. Notice here that Jesus didn't say a little earlier that where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. That we almost think that makes sense. Boy, my, my heart, my passion's in there. That isn't always true because our treasure doesn't always follow our heart. There are a lot of people who love the Lord, but they don't give because they have a divided heart. They have, they have a tension inside. They're, they're, they're being pulled both ways, money and God. And, and it's easier because there's no immediate accountability just to not give. So their money doesn't follow their heart. They're not a good manager, or are they generous, and they're not totally obedient. But when we're sold out to God, sold out to Christ, we give, and then that further cements our commitment, and He has both our treasure and our heart. And if you don't think that your heart is interested in your treasure, then about this time of year, you start thinking about paying your taxes or looking at how the year finished. You know, you start looking at that stuff again. You look at your balances. You look at your, you know, your, your accounts to see how things are going because you're interested where your treasure is. You know, a few moments ago, I mentioned a principle that's associated with our blessings. And I want to share that with you in just a second. But first, understand that God blesses us for two reasons. Number one, He loves us. He loves us. And like any father who loves his family, he wants to give good gifts to his children. We all like to give to our family, right? We all want to give our, our family a nice home. We want to give them, you know, a, a nice vacation. We want to give them luxuries. We want to give them healthy food and comfort and gifts and all those things that we love to give to our kids and see them smile, right? God's like that. He loves us and he wants to give us good gifts. But let me tell you the other thing, the principle that I want to share is that God blesses us to be a blessing to others. The principle is that God will bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. It is really arrogant to think that God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to you and you can have blessings. I mean, that's, that's the reservoir, that's the pond that doesn't ever give out. God doesn't just give to us to be blessed. God wants to bless others through us. And we see that all throughout the Bible. Whenever God wanted to start a new nation, his people, the Jewish nation, you know what he did? He called a man, Abraham, and he said, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless you for you, but I'm going to bless you for others as well. Genesis 12, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. That's a lot of blessing that he's promising. I'm going to bless you, but you will bless others, and the whole world, all people will be blessed because of you. So in turn, Abraham was blessed, and he was blessed, he blessed a lot of people in his life as well. God gave him a land. He gave him the land of Israel. God gave him wealth, flocks, herds servants. He gave him money. And then he gave him descendants because at this point he didn't even have any family. There were no 
there were no children. He gave him uh, Isaac and Ishmael. And from that, from Isaac came the Jewish nation. And from the Jewish nation came Jesus, who is a blessing to the entire world. God blessed the world through Abraham. It was his promise. And so you and I today, we get a chance to enjoy that because we are blessed to be a blessing to others. And you know what? If I had that heart and commitment in my mind, then I believe that God will honor that and God will bless us more. I've just seen that happen. If we're good stewards of what we've been given and we manage that well and we are generous to others, God will bless us more. There's just, it's not a health and wealth promise, it's just true. Remember several weeks, months ago, I talked about a guy named Jabez. And you probably heard of him anyway, a book was written about him, but he's in the Bible. Jabez, by the way, was a descendant of Abraham. He's not very well known, but he's only mentioned one time in 1 Chronicles 4. But here's what it says, that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him with pain. Now Jabez crawled on the name of the Lord, excuse me, on the God of Israel, saying, on that, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, that it might not pain me. And God granted him what he'd requested. Now, Jabez was kind of cursed. People looked at him that way. He had a name uh, that says pain, hurt, and sorrow. So in that day, your name meant a lot more than it really means today. People knew you by the meaning of your name. So his name was pain. So I'm sure he got teased, you know, all the time about being a pain But he was an honorable man. And when the Bible talks about honorable people, it means that he loved and obeyed God. He had a heart that was turned toward God. And so he prayed to God to be blessed by God so that he in turn could be a blessing to others. And God granted his request, his prayers. He blessed him. Says God granted him what he requested. And I believe that was because he was both a good manager and also he was generous as well. Now, if your goals and your prayers for more blessings are just for yourself, those selfish prayers, I think we talked about this last week again, then that's not honorable. It is not honorable to God if you're asking God to bless you for you. But if you ask God for blessing and you are both a good steward of what you have and you're generous of that, then I believe that honors God. And I will tell you my personal and observational experience, I believe that God honors that kind of request. Remember, if you will, that God has all the resources, and God knows all the needs that need to be met. God, it, it, that, that's not the issue at all. It's our issue, but it's not His, right? But God wants to partner with us to bless others. And the incredible thing that I've found is in the middle, we get blessed as well. When I share Jesus with somebody, I get a greater blessing out of that than they do. When I'm able to, to love on someone, I get a greater blessing than they do. And when we're able to give to help others, we get a greater blessing from giving than they do. That's just how God works. Don't get mixed up. Don't get twisted. Don't let Satan throw a, you know, a selfish thoughts in this. Just understand how it works with God. Because today, for some reason, we're blessed. We are beyond blessed. The question is, what are we going to do with that? Do we see ourselves as blessed and are we blessing others with that? I hope you think about that. We're going to take a few weeks to talk about this and kind of challenge ourselves in, in this process. And I want to challenge you, first of all, and most of, most of all, most importantly, is to think about your spiritual blessings. Because if you are 
in this room, and if you are living in this part, part of the world this time, you know that there's a Jesus. And you know that you have a need for him. And if you've never given your life to Christ, you are, you are stiff-arming the greatest blessing of all. And I would challenge you to, to let go and, and receive the blessing. After all, a gift is only valuable if you will receive it. And the gift that God's given to us, Jesus, that's the greatest blessing. When you receive that gift, you'll discover that blessings will come and you truly will be satisfied and you will be made holy. You'll be content. You will be blessed. You know, one of the greatest blessings we have every Lord's Day is that we get a chance to be reminded and to participate in remembering who Jesus is and the blessing He gave to us. And that's what we're going to do here in just a moment in this time of communion. Uh, Like our tradition is as a church, every Lord's Day, we come and we share of the bread and the cup, which is a symbolic of the broken body and the blood of Jesus that was shared on the cross. And so we invite you, if you're a believer today, you're invited to come and share with us in that. It's a time for us to reflect. It's a time for us to remember. It's a time for us to contemplate. It's a time, the Bible says, to examine our hearts and our lives to see if we've been living the way God's called us to. And during this time, I would challenge you, we ask you to come forward and do that, to respond. It needs to be a response on our part if possible. We ask you to come and do that, to share with us in this communion time. If you would like to stay in your seat, we understand our deacons will serve you from the back. Just simply raise your hand. It'll be brought to you. But we want this to be a time that we fully appreciate the blessings that we have in Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. And Lord, God, first of all, we thank you for the blessing of Jesus, for the gospel of Jesus Christ that, that is the greatest treasure of all time. And that, God, you've entrusted that treasure into to human hands is kind of beyond our understanding, God, that you would trust us that much. God, help us to be good stewards of the gospel. First of all, to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and be obedient to him and in baptism. But, Lord, then to be able to give that to others. God, help us to be a church that exists to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. Lord, I pray also that, that you would challenge us to think about how we manage what you entrusted to us, the gospel, but also other blessings as well, and that, God, we be faithful in those things. And, God, also help us examine our hearts now and our motives as we come to share in this time of communion. Lord, that you would draw us to you as we are drawn to the table, God. You would draw us to you in our hearts. God, we would seek you in deeper ways. We would examine ourselves, find the areas that we need to repent of, that we need to change. This would be a time of transformation for us. Lord, we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.